Welcome to Rich Girl Radio, where I give you the business. It is your girl, Danielle Morrell, high ticket mindset, business strategy, and sales coach to other lady coaches, experts, course creators, transformational leaders who are designing simpler way to scale, leveraging five-figure offers, and how to create a business around their feminine lifestyle, desires, and strengths. And in today's episode, I want to continue on from the Turks and Caicos Retreat 2022 that I took with my lucrative and leveraged Lady Boss Club members last month, September 2022. So I did a whole podcast, the last one, I'll put the link down in the description of me totally sharing with you what was the lucrative and leverage lady boss Turks and Caicos 2022 international retreat. What was that kind of how it all popped off perfect and just the ins and ins and out and all the little details that I wanted to capture to celebrate, celebrate and um, remember again, just to have as a memento of all of the wonderful things that took place and just everything that we experienced. And so if you haven't checked out that podcast, please do. And I'm doing a little series here where, you know, last week on the last podcast, I gave a recap of Turks and Caicos from the beginning to the very end and all of the fun and exciting, juicy things that popped off in between. And this episode, what I really wanted to share was what I learned from hosting an international retreat. And in the next podcast, what I'd like to do is share what I truly believe that a retreat is something you should really consider having in your high level programs, um, why I just see the benefits of doing a retreat, why it to me feels almost non-optional, mandatory to have a retreat in your, again, high level programs. So if you're interested to know why I'm so again, passionate about doing retreats and putting that a part of your experience, please come back and check out that episode next week I should have completed. So in this one, again, what I want to do is share what I learned, right? What I learned from hosting, not just a retreat, but an international retreat to the number one Caribbean island, which is Turks and Caicos. So Woo! Okay, that right there. Let's just take a moment. I'm still processing. So are a lot of my Lady Boss Club members. We're still all processing the magnitude and the significance and the experience of going to, again, one of the best beaches in the world. Okay, let's not even front. I'm, that is one of the things I'm super proud of that, you know, I was able to do this retreat in such a gorgeous place that, a lot of people have on their bucket list and was able again to knock it off of my bucket list. A lot of my lady bosses bucket list who hadn't been to Turks and Caicos. I was able to bring my mom and she had never been to Turks and Caicos and it was something she wanted to experience. Um, and so I'm really grateful and thankful that again, we were able to do that together. So Let's get into this. Um, the last episode was very long. I was over an hour, but that just lets you know, again, all of the things that, you know, it was five days, four nights. Some women came in on four days, three nights, but there was a lot of, again, community, connection, 
um, content creation is what this retreat was all about. So again, we had a theme which was called retreat revenue. And so really the idea was that we not only come together to celebrate a year of coaching and community together, but really to you know, master the fine art and have fun with the fine art of work and play, of profiting and playing in paradise, the fine art of work, like I said, working and playing and just being able to um, capitalize and leverage traveling to beautiful locations. And again, having world-class experiences, one of, you know, once in a lifetime experiences with once in a lifetime type of people. And then being able to still enroll clients, still conduct business, still collaborate partnerships and come back from the retreat, actually making more money than we left with and paying for our retreat with client attraction and content that we were able to create during our time down there. So that was the real goal of it. A lot of times, again, I'll talk about... Um, well, I can talk about it now because I definitely learned this, but definitely next week when I talk about why I believe a retreat in your program is mandatory. But one of the things I loved is because my retreat was part of a program and it wasn't something that I had outside people coming to that had were not already invested in me and had spent some time already in my program. I didn't have to necessarily come where I had to teach new content it was an extension of what we've already been doing and more of an implementation retreat. And again, a connection community and to deepen what we are building here, which all of that most definitely was accomplished. So here's what some of the specifics that I learned about hosting an international retreat. One is, is that you would ideally, if I could do this differently, which I am because we're in the we're in the planning process as we speak to go to another our, our, our next retreat, sorry, in May, tentatively, it's subject to change, but you know, from what I've learned, <laughs> we um, definitely May 2023. So if you're interested in going to a retreating with us. And if you haven't seen the behind the scenes of how awesome our retreat time was, please make sure you check out my Instagram. I have a ton of content recapping Turks and Caicos and just even my client testimonials, my lady boss client wins. So you can see more about what this program is and this experience is. And again, if you join the club and the program, you will be invited to come to our next retreat. And so what I learned for sure is, is that you want to get ahead of planning your retreat as soon as possible, the earlier, the better. So again, I, we started the planning of this retreat in May and we left and came back in September, 2022. So June, July, August, September, it was about four months. And although we pulled it off and it, you know, popped off perfect again, check out my recap episode of last week, I truly believe in going forward, I want to give myself at least six months bef um, before the next retreat or give me six months of planning for several reasons. One, it, for the payment options, it works out where your um, participants are just getting all of the, um, the um, cost, right? The investment, there you go, getting all the investment together from everybody and just working out again, that payment structure, because 
when you're invested into this kind of retreat or paying for it, you can split it up over a longer period of time. The earlier you get the planning, the shorter the window, the more the deposits and the payments and everything is due. So it gives either you, you know, less time. And that's why, again, what I'll talk about why I believe it's mandatory. But ideally, you want to go ahead and just let people know you want to build the cost of the retreat into your program price or when people come into the program, they already know that they're gonna be paying for that as well. And that, you know, go ahead and start paying on that. And so giving them as much time to do that if it's gonna be outside of the program as possible, ideally, okay? So that's what I would say just, and just in general for planning the retreat, six months is better than four months and the more time, the better just for details, logistics, all of that is well. The next thing I learned about hosting an international retreat, and again, it, this is my second time doing so. I've done one in Mexico, Cancun, but I would always just say be conservative with the amount of people that you plan on coming and just build on that. I think a lot of people get really excited and they come up with a huge number of people that they want to go on their retreat. And a lot of people say yes, and I'm going to go, but then when it starts getting time to make payments or sign up or move forward, you know, you're going to find that people start dropping or no longer can do it. And so you, and that's why you want to get out ahead of, again, your planning and stuff, because if you start, and that's another thing we're going to talk about here with working with, in contract with the travel planner or the, trying to room block a certain amount of rooms. And if you overcommit to to um, how many people you think are going to come and then people don't start showing up or the number drops then you're on the hook for all the rooms you've already blocked off and, and putting yourself in a contract with so I just say from my experience because I had a lot of people like or just in general in the past who you know were really excited about doing an international retreat and it just depends some people have the engagement the the audience, the buildup, and prior experience to know that they can do international trees and have a large amount of people and people will come and, and everybody will move forward. Okay. So I just say, if it's your first time, you know, be conservative. I rather do the fewer rooms and build on that if more people want to come versus locking myself in for a large amount of rooms and fewer people decide to come. And now I'm scrambling to fill the contract plan, you know, um, contracted number of rooms. So just be mindful of that, kind of gauge where, you know, your engagement, your audience, people actually putting down deposits. I just, what your prior experience have been with launching things and people actually, again, signing up and moving forward. So for me, I feel like between five and 10 people coming to an international retreat is a good conservative number. And build from that. If you can do that, then the next time, 15, 20, 30. Um, and I did, again, if you have experience where you feel confident that you can do an international retreat and book out 20 rooms and 40 people are going to come, by all means do that. But you, again, don't want to be on contract for that. And then five rooms get booked and you still have to fill the other 15 or pay a portion that becomes very significant. Another thing is kind of going back to the first thing, but get out ahead of your details and your vision, right? And so don't wait to the last month, week, or day to be 
coming up with the content of what your retreat is going to be or the vision of what you're going to be doing from moment to moment. You really want to have an itinerary of every hour on the hour, even if it's, you know, we're breaking, we're taking time off, we're in bed, we're eating breakfast solo or together, or where we're meeting for dinner, where we're meeting for lunch, what we're wearing, if we're wearing anything that is similar or the same uh, what times are for breaks because if you don't come up with an itinerary and really be very detailed about on the hour what's what's where you're on retreat and off retreat to yourself it leaves a lot of questions that you just want to get out ahead of and not have to well, what are we wearing or what time are we or what are we doing at this time or do we need to be somewhere like try to go ahead and get out all of that again what you're sharing what you're doing what you have planned, like for me, I made sure that every hour on the hour was blocked off, whether you could go get your own spa, if you were doing an excursion, or if it was open hours to create content, or if it was dinner time, or if we were to meet here, or if we were to meet where, if it was time, you know, to shut it down, or if we were, whatever it was, we had it very, so everybody know where to be, what to wear, what time, um, and, and I was out, I had my bags packed a week before I went, with all what I was wearing, my gift stuff pack. You know, you want to get out ahead of ordering any welcome gifts, any award stuff, any um, anything like that. You want to get ahead of ordering. I would say months in advance. Don't wait. I waited a little too late to order my gift baskets, my award stuff, my bathing suits. I mean, luckily, I found a lot of local vendors and I did a lot of rush orders and it got here all propped off perfect. Go back and listen to my last episode I'm not even joking when I say that like literally so but I'm going back and going forward and um, we won't be up we're going to be out ahead of all retreat gifts and all award ideas and execution of what's supposed to be going on so it worked out great for me because I kept my retreat low key from that aspect anyways but even getting out ahead of what I was going to wear at every moment of the day, I changed outfits several times throughout the day because I'm, that was part of the experience. I wanted the women to have something to look at. I wanted to change it up, break, like break up the different sections of the day. So getting out ahead of like what I was wearing and having that all packed up and having that all on my agenda, you know, creating a vision for the vibe that I wanted this retreat to be and spending time the months leading up to it playing that vision in my head over and over again right over and over again playing out what I wanted it to happen how I wanted the weather to be how I wanted you know the pictures to look what poses I wanted to make sure I took what how I wanted what did I want to dance to on dance night like make the vibe of the whole look what did I want to wear and what did I want that to look like and you know, again, experience. So create a vision, plan in your mind over and over and focus only on the desired outcome. Um, the next thing that I've learned from hosting international retreats and this one as well is, again, the pros and cons of, you know, working with a travel planner, retreat planner. I didn't work with the retreat planner specifically. Mine is a travel planner who specializes in Mexico and the Caribbean and really an extension of a travel agent because just the um, more in-depth support and communication I received and oversight was very beneficial. So for me, a, a travel planner is a yes. You know, you just want to know the pros and cons. Like, obviously, you 
you're going to um, probably, you know, it just kind of depends. You want to just know the pros and cons. Like, again, for me, it was good because I got that extra layer of support. I, I, because we were receiving people's payments and making sure the booking forms got in and all the flight, those were things that I really just didn't want to have to oversee all of that. And the fact that she was able to bring tools to the table, such as a travel planner app that really helped us have a communication tool before, during, and after our trip on, again, the itinerary, people's flight information. So she was able to input all of that information into our our app and really just had a really smooth process. And I just had somebody else that I could go to for questions or about Turks and Caicos, about the resort. So it was a pro for me. Again, there can be cons because Sometimes the things that are told to travel agents aren't the same thing that you could probably get if you work directly with the the um, resort. Um, again, it's going to be probably if you want to talk to the d- resort more directly, that's going to be probably a barrier where you're going to have to go through most of your travel agent. When you go through your travel agent, you're going to be put on a contract. There's just different things. And I probably what I will do, actually, now that I'm saying this out loud, I will have my travel planner come on to a podcast episode. I think that will be a great, a great addition to this series to have my travel planner, Terry Holzhauser, come on here. And let's just talk about, you know, what it takes to um, plan an international retreat on all levels, small levels, large levels, and then really get her um, her philosophy and her point of view on why she believes definitely going the travel planner, retreat planner way is going to be your most comfortable and confident bet to go. So I'll let her share that with you and share with you why she feels that way. And we can unpack it together just so you have that resource and that, again, perspective going into it. So again, another thing I learned from hosting the international retreat is definitely having communication tools to help keep your, again, during, before, during, and after the retreat with the people that are going. So again, I just talked about this travel planner app that my travel planner was able to get us all to download and put all of our travel and our arrival, departure information, put the whole itinerary down so nobody was asking me or each other, what time is people getting here? Where are we going next? It was just It just took out a lot of the stress from that. So I highly recommend having communication tools uh, when you do this. We also had a Slack group, which is a messaging group um, app as well that we labeled Club Retreat. And all the women who went on the retreat was in that messaging group, kind of like a group chat. And that way we could share photos, content in real time. We could message each other and say, hey, who's meeting here? Who's meeting there? I'm going here to get some pizza. I'm going here to do this. I'm at the pool. Where are y'all ladies? And so I highly, highly recommend having some communication tools such as a travel app planner, a messaging group for sure. I would definitely also say having a retreat theme, you know, having some type of, yeah, definitely having a retreat theme and purpose, obviously, but ours was retreat revenue. So that was, it made it so much easier and concise to know like, okay, what's the goal here? What are we focused on? 
what's the value that we're walking away from? And then having little touches and fun parts and celebration parts and game parts of the retreat, such as the retreat awards or doing some type of celebration. I highly, highly recommend. That's what I've, what I've learned from hosting it. That that's just adds another level to it. Again, photo shoots with your people that have come really adds another level of personal and high touch. Um, another thing I learned from hosting international retreats is know your seasons that are best for travel. For example, we now know like we're never doing retreats in the Mexico Caribbean region of the world <laughs> during the months of August October because that is hurricane season and that is the season that both times we've done our retreats we did Mexico in August and we did Turks and Caicos in September and both times we were left just off on the hills of a hurricane coming in Cancun it was in August and I, we literally were flying out when a hurricane was hitting the Gulf and it, we I mean we were literally hours away from being stranded on the resort so I'm like woo and then we did it again because we thought Turks and Caicos really rarely gets hit by hurricanes even though they're in the Caribbean so we still went in September that is a high hurricane season and Lord we came back and Puerto Rico got hit with a hurricane just a week later and really damaged Turks and Caicos and shut down the resort and the airport for a day or so so regardless of where you're hosting your international retreat, just always make sure you know the best times to travel. Please avoid any times that is going to cause delay, major weather issues, like if it's a rainy season, I would be wary of doing that. Just you want to give yourself the most, the, the best possibilities, the best opportunities to have a weather problem-free <laughs> retreat, okay? Another thing is, it's okay to start small and have small retreats. I think a lot of people get intimidated or don't want to do retreats because they don't think a lot of people would come and they're not sure that they could have a huge retreat. You don't have to have a huge retreat. Really great retreats, five people. You know, we had five lady bosses come, two guest speakers, me and my mom, it was nine women total. And we had a great, great time. And, and I think that that's actually, again, good to start with five to 10 women, keep it small, get comfortable. The worst thing you can do is try to do your first retreat really, really big and over the top. And it's your first time. And now you're not just experiencing it or going through it the first time, you know, the first time with yourself, you're going in front of like 20, 30 people when you're, you're not experienced. So for me, I just, I'm not saying you have to start small and stay small. I'm not even saying you have to stair step your way up in retreats. What I'm just saying is it's okay to start small. It's okay to have small retreats and ours was small, but it was big, 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 big in community, conversation, loving, learning life, all of that. You know, another thing I learned is that it can be different. I think, a lot, again, a lot of women went into this expecting it to be what they've traditionally seen from retreats and conferences, a lot of sessions, a lot of new trainings, a lot of, you know, again, taking more knowledge, more, more, more. And what I wanted to show them is that you don't have to learn more. We just have to be more. We have to be more confident. We have to create more content. 
we have to celebrate each other more. We have to trust each other more. We have to relax a little bit more. We know that we already are enough and that we don't have to come here and try to be more. And that's what I often see was that people come and do retreats and they overstuff it too. And it's like this need to really impress the attendees. And that's again, what I'll talk about doing a retreat in your program is a little less pressurous when it's already people who know, like, and are invested with you and have spent time with you. And this isn't their first time, not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but it definitely is. It, it takes the pressure off for sure. Um, I definitely, you know, I, the last retreat in Cancun, Mexico, we had people, we, we all shared rooms. It was double occupancy. And this time around, we did only single rooms. Everybody had their own room. And I would definitely say that I've learned that I prefer going forward. Everybody had their own room. I think it was really nice having our own sanctuary to retreat to at the end of the night where it was just our space to work, relax, unpack. Um, I like the idea of not having to figure out who was matching up with who. It was just a little, it had a little bit more of a grown woman, you know, vibe to it. Like we're grown, we're real bosses. We don't have to share. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. And then for some people it works. And if you like it, you, um, some people definitely have a great valid point that some people enjoy getting to know other people and spending time with other new people or people they know in the same room. So this is just a personal preference, but now that I've experienced both, highly think that I'm going to always have where you always get your own room. We're not going to be split up. It's just a little less head headache on me, fills my room quotas faster, a little bit more ladylike, and it's a nice little sanctuary to retreat and be able to do some after hour relaxation, unpacking. Um, another thing that I learned is that I do prefer all in all adult all-inclusive resorts the last two the one in mexico and this one were both um not adult only they were had children could come they were family resorts the one in cancun mexico was beautiful like i showed in last week's episode the women who went to the cancun retreat have been to that resort many times over because of the quality and just how wonderful is moon palace down in cancun and it was family it was a family resort, but again, the kids were well respectable and well behaved. However, you know, there's again, when we're talking about luxury, high end, world class, I just feel like being able to, you know, be able to not be around children is always a plus, especially when a lot of us are mothers and wives and so and and just noise and, and that. So I would say it's not a problem. And I'm not opposed to doing family resorts if that's all that's available. I just know that I will prefer doing adults only because I did adults only in Jamaica Negril for my 10th anniversary and I just liked the quietness the matureness you know all of that but again that's just what I've learned going forward I'll probably be looking for all-inclusive all adult all adult resorts going forward but that being said I really really did like the all-inclusive part of the resort and I like all-inclusive because like once you pay for your resort accommodations you don't have to worry about food beverages or gratuity now for my retreat the ladies paid for their accommodations and traveled for you know to the airfare and the time that we were there for the all-inclusive resort so they paid for that 
um, separately outside of the program price. So I wasn't that once you pay for my program that's included in there where I'll pay for that. No, you're, you'll pay for that separately and they paid for that separately. They paid me, but it was a separate fee outside of the program. So I am going to wrap up this episode on what I've learned from hosting an international retreat. Please come back and check out the next episode on why I believe hosting a retreat is non-negotiable, mandatory in your high level group program. So please come back. And then again, I'm going to invite my travel planner to come on here and let's have a conversation about, you know, what it takes behind the scenes to actually have a smooth world-class destination international retreat. So with that being said, with much love, much peace and prosperity, I'll see you next time.